Welcome to Tough on Art, the podcast for artists interested in ways to get ahead in today's art market. I'm Jen Tuff, owner of Jen Tuff Gallery and the Artist Alliance community. Join me for some down-to-earth talk about the best ways for artists to navigate this new and different landscape. This question is from Lee. And she says, I have a studio visit with a gallerist coming up, my first one. Congratulations. I am still developing my voice and not sure the best way to present my work. Is it all work on paper and pretty small? I don't want to under or overwhelm her. What is a good amount of pieces to show or or any other advice for a studio visit for a newbie? Okay, Lee, well, congratulations, because trying to get a gallerist to your studio is a pretty big deal. (laughs) So um, I would take a look at the work that she's representing and see, you know, what she, that'll give you a sense of what she likes, what she responds to. Um, And I would definitely make sure that you have, um, if your work is mostly small, like you said, I would put them all up on the wall. Um, I don't, I think it's pretty hard to overwhelm a gallerist. I think they see a lot of stuff. I know when I've gone to um, studio visits, I've never really been overwhelmed. So um, the more work you have, I think is important. It shows that you're definitely prolific. Um, So if you have small work, I would definitely employ some display tricks or not call them tricks, but good practices. And, you know, put a whole bunch of them up on the wall. Multiples are so powerful. They really are um, a way to really, you know, kind of drive home what you're doing. And, and, and it's just, it's really powerful when you display a whole bunch of smaller works and multiples, you know, really cleanly and and straight lines across the wall. So that would be one, one thing to do. Um, And it wouldn't definitely wouldn't overwhelm her. What is a good amount of pieces to show? I think that totally depends on, you know, the size of your work. So, Um, you know, overwhelming again, I would just kind of forget about that. I don't think you're going to be doing that. She's going to be asking you as well, you know, what do you have that looks more like this? Can I see some other stuff that look like that? She should be pretty specific about what she wants to see and what she responds to. So it's totally okay to have stuff, you know, in your storage area or something that, that you can pull out. Um, you know, gallerists know that artists aren't, you know, in the business of, uh, you know, selling, showing, you know, their work in this sort of slick way. And that's not what they want to see. They want to see how you work. They, they want to see your space to sort of get to know you better. So I wouldn't panic about it too much. I would just be, you know, try to be as relaxed as possible and just see it as somebody who you're, you're going to get to know better and you're going to show them your work. So those are my two bits of advice for you. Um, I would have your resume handy. I would have, um, if you've made um, some sales on your work, I would have that information handy or just, you know, memorize it. So she might be interested in how much you sold this style of work for or that style of work. Um, And let her, you know, be the guide to it. You don't have to give any kind of presentation or, you know, have all these sort of, uh, you know, rote things that you're going to be saying or any kind of routine. It, Every single studio visit that I've been on has been completely different and that's totally okay. Just let her, you know, do the talking and, and ask questions and things like that. And just, you know, just be yourself. That's the best advice I think I could give. All right. I hope that helps. This next question comes from Gretchen Warson and she asks, when I've worked with galleries, I don't usually know who has purchased my paintings. Is that standard? 
do collectors traditionally prefer to remain anonymous? Um, first off, I think there's a different be difference between collectors and buyers. Most people who purchase art, especially from emerging artists, are not necessarily collectors. They're usually buyers, and they're usually looking for artwork to fit in a certain spot in their home. So just like any traditional retail sale, um, whoever the manufacturer or the maker of that product is, not that I think art is a product and artists or manufacturers don't, don't misinterpret that, but that information of the buyer isn't shared with the with the maker. That that's you know usually people want to be anonymous when they purchase something in a store um, or a gallery. They um, you know don't really relish the idea of the artist necessarily having their information because they might feel like they're going to get pestered by the artist or emailed by the artist or put on the artist's email list. But of course, this depends on on the buyer. It depends on, um, you know, what kind of if they want to have a relationship with the artist. Sometimes people don't. You know, a buyer versus a collector. The difference to me is, you know, like I said before, a buyer is usually just looking for art to hang in their home. They're not really interested in a long term relationship with the artist, so they're not going to be very. Um, excited about sharing their personal information and their contact information with someone they don't know versus a collector who would be interested in that relationship. Now, if it's a collector, you know, usually the gallerist can tell. They usually, you know, they would know the person. And if it is a collector and they know that the collector would be interested in having a relationship, then that's usually when that information is shared with the artist that so-and-so purchased their art. Now, in my uh, in my gallery, when I had a you know when I would do group shows and um, you know a piece would sell, um, most of the time I would ask the person buying the piece, "Would you like the artist to know to have your contact information, to have your name?" And I would ask them that, and most of the times they'd say no; they're not really interested in that. Um, or maybe they would say, "Oh, yeah, you can tell them our name." And then just sort of leave it at that. Sometimes they're interested in having a relationship, but um, if they're just, you know, sort of buying a one-off piece, that's, you know, they're really not interested in developing a relationship. Whereas a collector would want to have that. So um, that's my answer for you there. Um, there there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about that. And I've I've heard artists say that they have a legal right to know who bought their work and have their contact information and. You know, that's not really, that's not the case. I, I don't, I haven't seen any law that says that. So again, you know, the, the person buying the work, uh, they have a right to privacy. I mean, privacy is a really big issue now. You know, your contact information, your email, things like that, even your name. Um, a gallerist usually doesn't have, you know, the the right to just, hand off that person's, you know, personal information to the artist. The best way to handle it, like I said, the way I handled it was just simply asking the buyer, you know, how they felt about it and kind of feeling that out. Now, if it's a collector, that's a different that's a different story. Now, usually they want to have a long-term relationship with that artist and the gallerist is sort of acting as the intermediary between that. So that's a different situation, but that's also a more uncommon situation. So um, as far as group shows and things like that, that's, you know, even a less of a chance. If you sell a piece, you know, be really happy about that. If the 
buyer wants to buy more work from you, they're either going to contact the gallery, but if it was in a group show, they're going to contact you most likely. Um, and, and that's, you know, they have every, it's super easy for them to do that. They know your name. They have all your information. They're going to be able to contact you if they want to pursue a relationship with you. So that's how I feel about that. And I hope that's helpful. This question is from Kareth Lissy. And she asks, on the journey of participating in shows and artist meets gallerists, shows in gallery group shows, etc. Once officially represented, it is understood that the artist usually doesn't then show in that geographic area so as not to compete with, the own, with their own gallery. However, what if a gallerist calls, having shown the artist work in group shows before, inviting them to be either be in another group show with old work that's not listed at the current gallery, or calls saying they have a client that they think would like a particular piece also not listed to the current gallery. From a business perspective, is the artist supposed to recommend the former gallery speak to the current one and work out a split share of the sale? Seems like a waste to turn down a potential sale. Just wondering how galleries share commission if they were to work together. What is the artist's role in in that, especially if the work is not listed anywhere? Okay, so... This is a this is a really common question, and if you are represented by a gallery, Kareth, you're totally right. Usually, the gallery will ask that you don't, you know, you're not represented by another gallery in a certain geographic area. For instance, I asked that artists um, that I represented, not artists that I just showed in group shows, etc., but artists I represented that they don't that they're not represented by another gallery within, I think it was like a hundred miles in the Bay Area. Um, and that's, you know, that's for everyone's protection. The other gallery would like that too. Well, protection and that protecting, um, you know, your investment of time, et cetera, and you're not competing against each other, which isn't to anyone's benefit and not to the artist's benefit either. Um, usually what happens if you, if you're, um, asked to be in a group show, um, and it's within that geographical area and you're represented by that, you know, a gallery and you want to be in this group show. Um, I always said, that's fine. I don't care about group shows. And most um, people who represent artists don't care about it either. Um, if it's in the same geographical area. In fact, um, I kind of encouraged it because it, it helped to get the artist's name out there. And, um, you know, it helps with your promotion. So what happens in those situations, and this is totally normal sort of behind the scenes, is that um, the the gallery that represents that artist and the gallery who's going to be showing that artist in a group show will split commission. And it's a totally standard thing. It's anywhere from 15 to 20 to 30 percent, depending on the work set, you know, if the work sells. And the gallery who's selling the work and the gallery that represents the artist will split the, the fee, the commission, and the artist will always get their 50%. So that commission that's split, that 50% that the gallery norm normally gets, that'll be split between the gallery, gallery that represents the artist and the gallery that's showing that artist in a group show. Um, and, and it's, you know, a lot of gallerists, you know, they're used to this. And they talk to each other and it's totally fine. Where it's not fine is when the artist sort of does this on the sly and doesn't want to maybe, you know, let's say the the group show gallery, um, you know, they don't tell that artist who's in the group show doesn't tell that gallery, hey, I'm represented by ABC Gallery 10 miles away. 
um, you know, they, they keep that information to themselves. That's, that's not a good idea. The gallery who's showing you in the group show isn't going to like that. <laughs> and the gallery who represents you certainly isn't going to like that. So it's something that's, you know, never takes out of the artist cut. It's always the, the showing galleries will split that 50% commission amongst themselves and they'll work out a contract deal. Um, again, it always comes down to communicating with the gallery that represents you. It's always better to err on the side of, you know, saying too much than saying too little. I myself have had many problems um, when artists don't talk about this, when they don't share this information with me and I'm representing them and, you know, they're, they're showing with other galleries in the same regional geographic area and they're not letting me know. So I have the opportunity to reach out to that gallery and say, hey, I represent so-and-so, um, just let me know if something sells. You know, usually there's a contract contract worked out beforehand depending on a lot of factors. But that's up to the, the galleries to work that stuff out. But I would say that you should always, always, always lean on the side of um, sharing too much information, <laughs> sharing as much information as you can. And galleries like working together. It's not like um, we dislike each other. Most gallerists that I've met are, um, you know, really willing to share information and, um, you know, it, and it's very friendly. It's not a uh, sort of divisive situation. So that's my recommendation. And thanks for the question. Next question comes from John Yayogi Forts, who um, is one of my artists, was one of my artists and a friend. Um, he says, hi, Jen. I think a lot of artists may feel like they can't negotiate with a gallerist for fear of not being taken on, giving the gallery all the power, which could eventually lead to the artist feeling frustrated or being taken advantage of. In your opinion, how important is it for an artist to make sure they voice any concerns they might have at the beginning in order to create a positive working slash business relationship with open community, with open communication. Um, I know it's really, I think, you know, as an artist approaching a gallerist can be really hard. And I think, I mean, obviously there's sort of like this, you know, intrinsic power imbalance, which makes it pretty horrible from the artist's point of view. Um, and some gallerists can take advantage of that. I'm certain of that. I mean, it just like, any other potential business relationship that people might venture into, even if they're not in the arts, um, people can take advantage of that sort of power imbalance. Um, if you really want something from somebody and they um, sort of trick you or manipulate you, which um, is never good. So if you have, if you approach a gallery and you get the sense that the gallerist is tricking you, deceiving you, um, misrepresenting things, even if you get like a slight red flag of that, like a whiff of that, I would proceed very carefully. Um, and, you know, if they're really hot and heavy about, you know, showing your work and they're not asking for any money, um, you definitely want to have everything in writing and you want to, you know, review all of that very carefully. You know, when emotions get um, involved, sometimes it's hard to see things really clearly. I know, you know, in my life, I've made definitely made mistakes with contracts thinking that I could trust the person and you know maybe didn't read the contract as well as I should because I was really excited about whatever it might be that I was trying to achieve 
Um, and that's always, you know, I think that's normal and human, but it's something to really be aware of. So if you are about to venture into a contract situation with a gallerist, there's really no need to sort of, you know, you know, stick your, you know, heels in the ground or anything like that in the beginning. You don't even need to do any of that in the beginning. You can just simply say, you know, be kind and cordial and then, you know, get to the negotiating parts when you get the contract. Um, I know a lot of galleries don't even use contracts, so that can, you know, kind of be a problem. You can ask them to just write things up for you because you would just feel more comfortable that way. Or you can say, oh, my husband or my wife really wants to see this like this, you know, something like that. Um, and if they really hem and haw about giving you anything in writing, that's a massive red flag. Uh, massive. So I would definitely voice any concerns, um, not at the very, very beginning, not when you're sort of starting the, um, you know, getting to know each other phase, that kind of thing. That's not really a good time to do that. It's the time to do the negotiating is once you get the contract in your hand. And like I said, if you don't get a contract when you ask for it, then, you know, that's when you should, you know, that's when you should be a little bit concerned and maybe consider not going with that gallery if that's the situation. The thing is with gallery contracts is um, a lot of times there's so many things that can go wrong that can happen. And I know, John, you know these personally, um, things that you could never expect. Um, the pandemic, for instance, um, when it first came on, I think caused a lot of um, crisis everywhere. And um, those are things that you would never consider writing into an art contract, an artist contract. Um, I certainly didn't have anything like that. I know with, you know, with my artists, I, you know, we definitely go in a back and forth and I never want, I never want my artists to feel like I, I would ever take advantage of them or um, pull the wool over their eyes or manipulate them or anything like that. I, I would feel terrible if my artist thought that. Um, I try to operate, you know, with as much open communication as possible. And, but a lot of it, you know, ends up being trust. And if you don't trust each other, there isn't a contract in the world that can sort of make up for that. So if you don't have that trust, which sometimes takes a while to build, but if you don't have that with each other, then it's probably best to just move on and sever the relationship and either go in your own or find another gallery or things like that. So um, again, I would just, you know, based on your, you know, going back to your question, I think the most important thing is to voice your concerns. Yes, but don't do it until you get the, until you get the contract because, you know, so much of the time there's miscommunication or misunderstanding and things like that. So I would wait until you get the contract in hand so, um, and then do some negotiating with things that you don't feel are, you know, are comfortable. So I hope that helps. Next question comes from Stephanie Stark and she asks, can you describe the typical process of connecting with an artist and working toward their first solo show? How long might a gallery work with an artist before they might be offered a solo show? Does the gallerist generally assist with the selection of a theme and works, or does the artist mostly do this? I'm sure it depends on various elements, but I would love to learn more about this. This is a huge subject, definitely, uh, Stephanie. I'm going to sort of touch on a few points on here. Um, and it also varies greatly depending on the gallery. Um, a lot of galleries don't even do solo shows anymore. And the reason for that is because um, 
if you're like, let's say you're a store and you're selling, um, I don't know, pots and pans, like cookware, and you decided to only sell one brand of cookware, that's, you know, eliminating a whole, you know, potential sales for people who like different kinds of cookware. So when you give a artist a solo show, um, if that work isn't appealing and doesn't sell well, you don't have anything else up on the walls to sell. So as galleries sort of, you know, mid-tier and smaller, uh, lower-tier galleries struggle um, to make sales, um, it, you know, having a solo show is much riskier um, simply because, you know, it might not appeal to a lot of people and you might not sell it out. So um, that's one reason why um, people hesitate, galleries hesitate now to do solo shows. And, you know, at least for me, uh, personally speaking, in my gallery, I love doing solo shows for the artists that I represent. I wouldn't, I've never given a show to a an artist that I don't represent. So getting representation um, is the, is definitely the first step if you're interested in having a solo show. So, um, and that's a whole other um, process as I'm sure you're, you're well aware. You need to approach a lot of galleries. You need to develop a relationship with them. The key being, you know, developing relationships. That is the number one thing that I tell artists all the time. It's the most important thing you can do. Um, relationships with all sorts of people, artists, um, other, you know, gallerists, art professionals, people who, you know, even art shippers, things like that. You never know who's going to know who, but more importantly, you just want to build your, build your network, build your, your people, you know, build your connections and, you know, get to know people. And the more people you get to know, the more beneficial that's going to be for you and everyone else that you know as well. It kind of all works hand in hand. The best way to get to know a gallerist is knowing an artist that they already have a relationship with. This question is from May Klish. I hope I pronounced that right. She asks, how would an artist find out about the integrity or code of ethics or ethical practices of a gallery owner? What looks good on the surface is not always true in practice, and artists hungry for representation can miss telling cues about the trustworthiness of some seasoned gallery owners. What might some of these clues be? This is a big question. Um, and, you know, there's a really, there's a lot of unethical people across the board, not just gallerists. So um, I think there's a real misperception with artists that gallerists are out to get them. And, you know, steal work from them or not tell them about work that's sold or, you know, things like that, just genuinely being unethical. And, you know, I think that that's way more rare than the, than the norm. I don't think that's common. I think people remember stories maybe from their artist friends, um, you know, from their other artist friends who say, you know, oh, you know, Joe Smith Gallery, he's a terrible person. He you know, stole this from me or something like that. And those memories kind of stick in your head. And then you might kind of think that all gallery owners are like that. But I think um, more often than not, that gallery owners, they're in the business because they love art and they love artists. If they wanted to get into a business to just make money, they wouldn't be doing, they wouldn't be selling art. <laughs> That's the simple truth. Um, however, there, you know, I'm not naive to think that there aren't you know, very corrupt gallery owners out there. But, you know, entering into a new, gal you know, a new relationship with a gallery or gallerist, um, you don't want to have that sort of mindset because it's going to come across and it's going to kind of poison the relationship from the beginning. 
So just keep in mind that just like every single person on this planet is different, so is every single gallery owner. But one thing that I can tell you is that, you know, gallerists, you know, they, <laughs> they don't make a lot of money. You know, they're doing this business because they love art and they love artists. So go into that um, with that with that mindset. And as far as um, code of ethics, there, there really isn't any kind of written code or anything like that. Um, there are... Um, you know, certain things that you'd want to ask a gallery owner, like when can I expect to be paid? When, when a work sells, um, you know, are you going to show my work? If it's just, is it always going to be sort of stashed in the back? You know, how does that work? And of course, this is all totally different. If you're just, you know, if you're in a group show and, um, you know, it, it's a 30 day exhibition, let's say, and, you know, you don't really have a long-term relationship with a the gallery, then, you know, I, I really wouldn't worry much about, you know, these sorts of ethical questions because, you know, it's a pretty short-term relationship. And when it comes to like a 30-day show, you can just look at the look at the contract and see what they spell out. There should be some kind of agreement or something that spells out, you know, the terms, their payment terms, um, you know, other things like that. I had a pretty standard gallery contract for group shows that basically said that, you know, the artist would get paid, you know, between 30 and 60 days. Usually I paid way sooner than that. Um, you know, I have to ask for their address so I can mail them a check. Um, you know, if it's over, if I end up making over $600 or they do, um, that I need to do a 1099. So there's all that kind of information that should be exchanged in the beginning. Um, you know, stuff like that is, is, those are signs that the gallery is acting in, um, uh, you know, a, an ethical and honorable way. And it's pretty easy to see that, you know, in their contracts. And it's also, you can ask people who've worked with them before. Um, now, keep in mind, you know, sometimes artists have um, some pretty high expectations or expectations that are pretty, you know, impossible to be met, like especially when they're in a group show. So you might get some bad feedback, but if they weren't, again, if they weren't represented by the gallery, I would kind of take everything with a grain of salt. Now, you know, if you hear from a friend who showed with a, in a group show at a certain gallery and they said they never got paid or, you know, something like that, then that's, you know, that's obviously a huge red flag. But as far as, far, as, far as finding out um, you know, how, how much integrity a gallery owner has, um, you know, you can do basic research on Google. You can ask, um, other artists who've shown with them, um, if you know that. Um, but I think, you know, the most important thing is that even if you are hungry for representation, as, as you've put it, um, you always need to read the fine print. You always need to, you know, do your due diligence and find out about that gallery. Um, and, and just, you know, look for any red flags that you would in any other contract or any other business relationship that you would get into, you know, when you buy a car, when you buy a house, you know, they're all sort of similar, similar things. But I think the most important thing, May, is just to keep in mind that, um, you know, they're, they're, especially if you're talking about representation, this is someone that you want to get into a partnership with where you both benefit each other. Um and if you, you know, enter into this, um, you know, any potential representation arrangement with a gallery and you're sort of feeling right off the bat like they're going to take advantage of you or they're going to manipulate you or, uh, you know, trick you with their contract or something, you know, be cautious with that. 
um, and, and see if it's just, you know, fear of that or if it's legitimate. Um, sometimes that's, that's hard to, to do, but that's something that's, that's really important. Um, and even, you know, seasoned gallery owners, um, that you mentioned in your, in your question, uh, you know, there's a lot of, I think the most important thing when, when you're being represented by a, a gallery is to have really good, uh, open communication and really think about what you're bringing to the gallery. If your sales are good, are you earning them money? Are you, um, being difficult? Is the, is the gallerist um, never showing you? Are they making it really hard for you to make sales? Or are they, you know, showing you in group shows and giving you solo shows and taking you to art fairs? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a major cue right there is if they're spending money, which is massive, on an art fair and they're taking your work and showing it to the world, they're doing a lot for you. Um, so... You know, there's there's many different ways to to look at that at the gallery relationship, but the most important thing is if you start feeling like something isn't right here and you are represented by them, then you know talk to them, pick up the phone, go and see them. What you know, send an email to you know to break the ice and you know and just have a conversation. So that's what I would definitely recommend. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. Your support means everything. If you'd like to learn more about the Artist Alliance community, send me a question or learn about other events or projects coming up, please visit my website at www.gentuff.gallery. See you next time.